0: Gods, Or are they something in between? We'll discuss that today without trying to go into why their movie was absolute garbage. On the Second Print Comics Podcast, I am the remarkable Remzo Martinez, bringing it to you live! Well, not live, because that would require us to actually do this live. From Mexico himself, Mr. Mark Clare. Mark... Uh, I know this is not a film review, but it was ironic because we've wanted to cover The Eternals for a while, and we were super excited about it. And honestly, after watching it and then having to get back to reading these issues in preparation for today's episodes, I'm just feeling kind of meh. So I'm hoping that the power <laughs> of Jack Kirby himself can make people at least appreciate the good quality that this book is as we get into it today.
1: Yeah, it's been kind of uh, Eternals week, basically, for me here. I just saw Eternals about a week ago, and then I read the very first iteration by the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Kirby, that we're going to look at today. And um, why don't we just, you know what? It's been a couple of weeks. I think we can give, I don't know if we'll end up talking spoilers or not, but why don't we just give a fair warning right now? We're going to talk Eternals for a few minutes. And if you don't want to be spoiled, I don't know what's going to happen. So skip forward a little bit if you don't want the movie spoiled. Um, that being said, you already kind of spoiled your, your thoughts on it a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's all about expectations for me because I, I like as a film, like it's not a, it's not truly trash. Like it's, it's, that's well made and it's not terrible like visually it's okay I'm just making excuses this was a drag this was a bore (laughs) um I and I I honestly like halfway through the movie I I I was like apologizing to my wife I was like I'm sorry I'm sorry I didn't know it was gonna be like this like (laughs) like, and it did it had its moments and I'm I am mostly very excited today I'm glad we're doing this right now because I'm excited to kind of compare some elements of the movie to some elements of the original iteration of the comic book they do have some things in common and we'll get to that they also have some things very very different from each other but just we both know each other's general thoughts but what was your see the thing is i don't i didn't have huge expectations for for eternals so i you know it's i just wouldn't i can't imagine sitting through that here's the deal it was it should not have been longer than i know i'm trying to talk i'm talking myself in circles on this thing it should not there's no way you can justify this film being longer than Endgame. yeah now, Endgame deserved its length this not?
0: I mean, this is longer. I don't know if this is the longest.
1: It's the longest. Is it the MCU longest? Movie. Like, is, yep.
0: like, man, we this had the, the Avengers. Like, we had Endgame. Like, we had movies where you could have justified a longer runtime. And typically, I'm like, you know, for the price you're paying for the box office, I want more movie than my money. Because I, I get mad when I feel like my money didn't go as long as the movie should have gone. Um, but, you know, like... I, I did a REMSO rant, so for for our patrons, uh if you haven't listened to it, you can go back and I did a I sa- I think I'm pretty sure I called this spoiler free review, but I basically spoiled a good ton of it, so sorry about that if you've already listened to it and I've screwed it up for you. But odds are like this is the first film where it's like I've spoken to a lot of like diehard MCU people and they didn't go watch it. Or they didn't go watch hmm. it at least on the premiere weekend.
1: Well they're not that diehard then because I couldn't even stay away. And I'm just because now I'm, well, I'm part of it too, is my responsibilities as the co-host of a comic book podcast. I feel like an extra obligation to know, know some more than the average person, I guess you could say.
0: What we're saying is we write off movie tickets on our taxes, (laughs) Uh but, um, no, I mean,
1: hundred pesos, baby. So, so
0: here's, here's, here's the deal with me. One, I like I like longer run times when they make sense. Uh, I felt like, you know, for the most part, it, it did what it needed to do. But I absolutely agree. This one was way too. This was no Snyder cut. It did not justify three hours. Um, no. And then, you know, I, I'm happy that this did not try and follow the Marvel gimmick of being a light comedy uh, that I do appreciate because it was not a comedy and not every movie needs to be a comedy. And sometimes you need to, you know, just double down on what the genre of the story actually is. I mean, I I always said that Doctor Strange is probably my first big disappointment in the MCU because Doctor Strange. And it's
1: actually like my second favorite origin movie.
0: Doctor Strange is a horror character and you don't make him, you don't make him make jokes. You don't, you don't, you don't turn the cape into the, the magic carpet from Aladdin. Like, I get why they did it, but you don't you don't do that. And it, it, it bothered me because I was such a fan of the Doctor Strange animated film from 2007. So, like, I'm happy that Eternals didn't try and be a comedy. Um, they they uh, did some stuff. I'm glad that they're actually moving into some more adult themes. Did you notice that this is the first Marvel film since Iron Man that implied that two people had sex?
1: Yeah, and it was actually made quite clear that they were in the nude, they were, which is it's pretty racy for a PG thirteen MCU. Yeah,
0: I mean for for Marvel Disney, like you know that was that was a lot. Um, I, I also like like
1: you know who I actually liked in the movie more than any other character, which says a lot about the movie. Because he's in it, because he's in it for three minutes. Is, is Dane Whitman <laughs> the Dane Whitman character? Uh, what's oh, his name that was
0: yeah. That that was such a Kit Harrington. Yeah, Kit Harrington. That was such a disappointment. Like you know that. I wanted to see freaking Black Knight. They actually made him out in the commercials to appear like he was some type of government agent or something. So and it was like, oh, he's just a teacher who's Circe's boyfriend. It's like, shut the fuck up. So, I mean, all in all, like, I I like the fact that Marvel was willing to try. I can't be mad. I actually like Chloe Zhao. Like, Nomadland was a good movie, and I've seen some of the other stuff. I like the fact that they're willing to give different directors a shot at it. And, you know, like, this wasn't the super woke film that people said it was going to be, so I appreciate that. This wasn't, you know, um, some of the stuff that some more conservative-leaning people were complaining about. I think everyone equally found something they didn't like about it, but that's none of the reasons why I didn't like it. Like it. I didn't like it because it was such. It, it was it was too much of a you know of a course change, and it just ended up just making everybody mad. Nobody liked
1: the, it. The weird thing about this movie is, despite its length, it felt rushed. Like a lot of the plot felt rushed because they were just trying to do so much in such a, it wasn't a short amount of time. It was almost three hours, but they, they, they were trying to fit so much story and so many characters in that none of it really clicked to me. Cause I never really had the chance to even feel for any character. I just felt like I'm bouncing from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing here. And then next thing I know, it's like Icarus is turning on and then Sprite's turning on her and then, but then they're all fine. Two minutes later, it's like, it's like too many double turns and turning on each other to to have everything be, be happy, go lucky by the end of it.
0: What was weird for me, and maybe this shows that I'm getting older, but this idea of Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek being second string characters in the film.
1: Yeah. And not being upfront sex goddesses. Yeah. yeah,
0: Like I still think of Selma (laughs) Hayek from, you know, from, uh, uh, from dust till dawn this idea of her playing like you know nicer grandma it's like come on maybe this is just my toxic masculinity spilling out but show some skin for crying out loud lady you still look awesome don't yeah. tell me marvel didn't want to go ahead and give you something a little bit more pro- provocative come on
1: yeah, you're telling me I got Angelina Jolie as the goddess of war, but she's in a white sheet the whole time?
0: And she's <laughs> crazy and she barely talks. I can't remember a single line or a moment where this was the Mad Weary. Yeah, I mean she, she this is this was Hollywood's leading lady and she, you know, whether you like her or not, like this felt weird. It felt like she was really phoning it in.
1: I think at the end of the day, to me, this just was like, we want to do this. Co- we want to bring in the eternals because we just want to make more shit, more toys, more franchises, more movies. And we want to do co- cosmic stuff. So we're just going to jam it all into this movie and see what happens. And like, I like the idea that Marvel lets these other directors come in and like Chloe Zhao is this like renowned director or whatever. And like, I can't really I'm not say upset that the,
0: with her, like she, I'm not upset with yeah, her either, not but upset I, with her,
1: I don't think she did a bad job or anything, but I I think you can tell when a director is not versed in the material and doesn't have the passion for the material. And I think that comes across. And I, I don't, I just don't think maybe I got her all wrong. I don't think Chloe Zhao was reading Eternals when she was a kid. Frankly, I don't think anybody was reading Eternals when they were a kid. So Maybe that's not anybody's fault, but I, I can just tell she's, I I don't think she's a comic fan, you know, and I'm not saying that every director needs, because we're making movies, not comics, but I do feel like you can just tell when that love is there and when it's not. And it's nothing, it's more of a gut feeling thing than any any technical criticism I can make of it. But that's just how I feel about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, look look at the commercials for Eternals, even now in post-release. All the stuff I'm seeing on Facebook and on Instagram, they have to show clips from other previous Marvel movies at the beginning of it to remind people that this is a MCU film. Because it's almost like listen, I we know you're reading the reviews we know your friend probably didn't like it, but please you have to see this it's a marvel movie you you have to see it because it'll it'll be rewarding for everything else you've seen it'll be rewarding for what you've seen later, but like my brother who usually goes and sees the stuff on like Premiere night, he saw it like a week later and like he I think he liked it he usually you know like i i'll 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 be mean for a second like he I think he has like um what's it called honeymoon syndrome when it comes to new movies. And then Mm -hmm. over, like, it takes a long time for him to admit that was kind of shitty. So I'm expecting him any day now to say that was shit. But, like, you know, this was the first Marvel film where I was just kind of like, this is really irrelevant. That's kind of like what I thought about the first Ant-Man film. I'm like, this is just really irrelevant. I think this is definitely the one where it's like, it doesn't really tune in much on what happened previously yeah they dropped Thanos yeah they talk about the blip and all that shit but like it didn't really do much and you know going forward I think it's up to the other future films to justify what happens but you know we're already getting massive reshoots on Doctor Strange we're already having the whole schedule move back almost a full year in terms of the release I think and there's an assumption the this current phase of the mcu is banking on eternal so much now since it hasn't really delivered what people have wanted now they're going back to the drawing board a lot on a lot of stuff kind of like what they did for captain marvel which you know i, I defend the captain marvel movie the captain marvel movie was actually good
1: yeah i think it's 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 in the middle it's somewhere in the middle for yeah me. but people didn't but or people
0: didn't great. like it because they didn't like brie larson mm-hmm. in, in promo and justifiably so i i'm not a brie larson fan but the movie was good but because of that whole thing where they tried to really paint her as the next you know the, the next figurehead of the MCU to replace like Robert Downey Jr and stuff like that she's not even really getting her own sequel like it's not even called you know Captain yeah. Marvel 2 it's The Marvel she couldn't even secure her own sequel and she was mostly written out of Endgame Because people were just not happy with her.
1: I did think her role in Endgame was quite odd, like that she didn't have a that she was just there as kind of a a deuce ex machina to come in at the end.
0: Yeah, like she was shoehorned in for 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 I don't even know a big reason, because she wasn't even the reason why Thanos lost. No,
1: she was really just nothing. So
0: Captain Marvel could save the world. It's like she's never really done that.
1: She was like a minor roadblock during the during the big battle, and then that
0: was it, yeah, so I mean Marvel has course corrected before, um you know people often remember the uh, the end credits scene for Thor the Dark World that was called the first worst post credit scene, and uh, i mean marvel i mean it, it's what was the post credits theme for that one? It, i don't it's even remember. it's not even worth remembering it was the first it was the first introduction of the collector I do you know that
1: oh right, 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 yeah, we got a glimpse of him, I think the other one was when you realized that loki had taken over the throne
0: yeah of, of odin yeah yeah but like um you know like for for 20 plus films like you're gonna have a bad movie uh, you know some people are, are trying to get real clickbaity, and they're like oh this is this the end of the mcu i mean i would argue i would actually <laughs> argue that i would rather watch eternals again than the falcon and the winter soldier
1: Oof! wow that's a tough one I'd have to think about that. We
0: got way more memes and shit. We got dancing Zemo. Falcon
1: and Winter Soldier is longer if you had to combine it all together. Yeah. Hmm i have to think about it. Yeah, I, I wanted to like it. Like, I was really in it to give it a chance. I just, it just, no, nothing really clicked with me. Like, I never felt a really strong connection to any one character. Uh, oddly enough, like, I felt the strongest connection to Kit Harrington because he was, like, the quote-unquote human. And he's literally, he's literally in two scenes, by the way. If anyone hasn't seen it yet. But he actually felt like, the, maybe because he's actually like, maybe the best Legit, actually, actor in the whole freaking thing. Like, I thought he was excellent, and I'm really looking forward to see what happens with him and Black Knight and how he gets worked in. Because I don't think there's any Black Knight series or movie scheduled, but he is meant to obviously have a big role in. So, in so the forward, rumor
0: so. mill. And you know this is the biggest spoiler of all. At the end of the film, in the second post-credit scene, after they introduce like Pip the Troll and uh, Harry Styles is
1: yeah, this is Star a Ford. spoiler, ladies and gentlemen. This is a real one coming. So literally, skip forward a minute if you don't want to
0: hear. Yeah. It. So Harry Styles is Arrow, Star Fox. They they bring him in, and I think this is actually good casting. I, I kind of like that, but you know, you, s- you see him for I a have no strong feelings. About I was it. just like, that's Harry Styles. Like, yeah, okay. Um, the the last post credit scene, which is probably worth the price of admission itself, is when you get the um, the dark. I don't know if it's called the dark sword or something else, the dark blade or whatever. But it's the Black Knight's
1: the cur- ebony blade. The, the ebony, blade. ebony blade, yeah.
0: It's it's yeah. the Dark Knight's cursed sword. And as uh, Kit Harrington, Dane Whitman is opening it up, you hear a voice in the background that says, "Are you are you are um are you prepared to wield it, Mister Whitman?" And that's Mahershala Ali's first official appearances blade.
1: Yeah. I had to look that up. I didn't know I did not recognize the voice in
0: the theater. It didn't. I uh our good friend Caleb Franz had to text it to me because I was just like, I have no clue who the hell that is.
1: None. Especially because it's not a character I would have thought it to be. Like I if anything, I thought I would have thought like Doctor Strange or someone would make sense appearing there, or which which obviously I knew it wasn't him. So
0: CBR.com, comicbookresources.com is getting lazy. Because I went on and I saw a link where they were explaining how it was Blade and everything. And they're like, Blade, who has a long history of the Dark Knight. I'm sorry, the Black Knight in Marvel. I'm like, no, they don't. Like, I've been a Blade fan for a while in the comics. And I even collected um, Captain uh, Marvel. I'm not Captain Marvel. Captain Britain in the MI7 comics or whatever it was um, in the mid-2000s where it had the Black Knight. Yeah, I collected the Avengers in the 90s where I had the Black Knight, and I've never seen the Black Knight and Blade ever together. So this whole, oh, you know, this makes perfect sense. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like, it's cool at all, but like, don't, I don't know if they just got it incorrect or they shoehorned it in. But yeah, like, it was weird. Like, th- this doesn't make sense, but I'm okay with it because I just like Blade and Mahershala Ali.
1: Yeah, I don't know how it's going to make sense, but whatever. I'll take it. I'm looking forward to that Blade, for
0: sure. Yeah, so if they bring the Black Knight and Blade or whatever, like, I'm cool with that. They're both awesome. Totes.
1: So yeah, that's my favorite part of the movie.
0: Was the, <laughs> end,
1: was the end credits, the scene with uh, Kit Harrington almost becoming Black Knight, and I guess Mahershala Ali's Blade debuting by voice. Yes, that's my highlight of the movie. And I'm not joking. I actually think that's my favorite part of the movie
0: yeah so all in all like go go see eternals or don't i think and, and i have a bad taste in movies i get it i told you guys to go see snake eyes and then i bought that on blu-ray watched it when i was sick a few weeks yeah, ago what have
1: i done yeah what have I, told I was imme- i
0: was immediately <laughs> like i gotta sell this shit
1: <laughs> i haven't seen it yet i still plan to watch it when it's free somewhere
0: like, like you know it's It killed an afternoon when I was coughing and there was nothing else on. I mean, I also watched Spectre, which I used to call like my least favorite James Bond movie. And I'm like, I like Spectre more now and I like Snake Eyes less. So I don't know what that means, what that means about me.
1: Yeah, I like to use my wife as like the normie test now, like to see, because she doesn't follow comics or anything, but she enjoys, you know, some of the Marvel stuff when it's good and doesn't enjoy it when it's not. So I like to see wh- how she kind of feels about things. And within the same week, we watched Eternals, which she absolutely did not like at all. And we watched, I had already seen it, but she hadn't yet. We watched Shang-Chi on uh, Disney Plus. That she did thoroughly enjoy. So I think the normie test seems to uh, seems to be accurate in this case.
0: It's like when I took my fiance. Like a, like a, like a three four years ago, to go see the Joss Whedon Justice League in theaters. She hadn't like she had seen before. You knew you didn't know it. was She coming. hadn't you seen Man even. of Steel. She fell asleep during Batman versus Superman Don Justice, and she just watched all of Justice League. And when it was over, she was like, "That was bad." <laughs> like yes,
1: it is. I'm like you're correct.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so all in all, folks, um, Eternals. Uh, I would not pay to see it.
1: Yeah, if you're a psycho like me and Remzo that just can't let the movies be in the theater for more than a couple of days, if that at this point I'm pretty much trying to always see them the night of, just because I I will I don't have the willpower to not see to like unfollow pages that I know are going to spoil it or like so I know I'm getting spoiled if I don't see something right away, so I just see them right away, and of course I also feel somewhat of, of a of a duty to do so as the co-host of this very podcast.
0: Yeah, we write off that on our taxes. Yes. Yeah. So that that those are my final thoughts. As we get into today's Should we story, rate it? Should we dare oh, we give it a number shit. rating? You do, it? do we <laughs> I mean, do we wanna get come this far. do we wanna get that frisky with this? Ah, uh, okay. I think
1: we do. Buddy. Um
0: are we gonna for this, are we gonna rate it out of ten just overall?
1: Yeah, you can do it however you want. I mean I can I can kind of loosely in my mind say like five like you know, a one out of five for writing and a maybe a one out of five for like cinematography or something. But uh, you know,
0: we you know, let's just be real assholes right now. Let's just rate it one out of five overall one out of five I'm giving this film a two a two out of five
1: if we're doing one out of five I would probably agree yeah I would go two. it's not as a one would be absurd because it is like technically sound and there's some good visual effects and stuff like that but that's as far as I can go for
0: for context I would give like Captain America the Winter Soldier a five out of five and I would give that's what I and I would give like Thor the Dark World a 1.5 so like, this is just a step above Thor, the dark world.
1: Yeah. I would probably give Shang-Chi like a four or 4.5. Yeah. And yeah. So this all seems about right. Yeah. Captain Marvel. I'd probably give it a three, maybe black widow too. Maybe like a three.
0: I mean, just for that Nirvana cover alone at the beginning of black widow. That was sweet. That was, that sweet. was sweet.
1: Also the best part of the movie. Yeah see i think i actually had honeymoon syndrome whatever you want to call it with black widow because we kind of both raved about it a little more but like looking back now i'm like well and maybe it's just because it, it, i think a lot of it too it was the first marvel movie we, we had in like a year and so a half Emma. so i think that was a big factor of it but now i can definitely say it's better than eternals i'd much rather watch black widow than Eternals, but it's nowhere near Shang Chi. Like Shang-Chi was just miles
0: above. Sha- Shang-Chi, I could probably say other than Loki on Disney Plus is one of the better parts of phase four. Phase four has just been such a mess.
1: My highlights are WandaVision, Loki, and Shang-Chi. Yeah,
0: WandaVision so was my it so far.
1: I, I loved WandaVision. I will, I will apologize for WandaVision all day long, but it's also a lot of it. Half of it is the WandaVision itself, the story and everything. I liked it a lot. The other half is just my love of sitcoms growing up and getting all the references and understanding everything they were doing within that stuff, which some of which you might've gotten, maybe some of which you didn't. But to me that, that stuff clicked with me so much that it probably raised it even higher for me than it would based on story alone.
0: Would you, would you say that Eternals was probably overall the lowest point of phase four so far?
1: Easily. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, I think I, I, I thought about it. I think I would rather watch Falcon and Winter Soldier again.
0: I mean, at yeah. least the Falcon and Winter Soldier, like there were moments I liked yeah. Even though it was... Always, I don't think
1: it was it, terrible. Yeah. It just had terrible outcomes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whereas with Eternals, like, there was nothing there for me. Yeah.
1: I didn't even really enjoy the journey of Eternals. You know, I enjoyed yeah. parts of the journey of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's just... Don't don't pay you to watch this movie.
1: No, if you can avoid it. Uh, but that being said, we can now dive into where this whole movie was birthed from, from the mind of Jack Kirby. We're going to be looking at the original the very first introduction to the Marvel universe of Eternals. Uh, Remzo, do you want to give a little background on, on how we got there and how, you know, how Jack, Jack Kirby ended up doing this series at Marvel?
0: Yeah. So Jack Kirby is truly one of the, uh, and I know he's, you're not going to study him in the arts or humanities class, but really he's one of the greatest artists of at least the 20th century and you know there's a story that Rob Blyfeld once told where him and a bunch of the guys from Image like McFarlane and uh, Eric uh, I'm sorry and uh, uh, Eric Larson they went to Jack Kirby's house in 1992 and they walked in and he had these giant prints on the wall and they he had these giant canvases of stuff that he had blown up from the comics and he you know framed and then there was just stuff that he just never released and he was having to sell commissioned um artwork um in order to basically live. Like he he was not a rich man. He was wor- he was working up until when he died. And there's this one um there's this one portrait he did where it was just this giant dude standing like in space and he had like this giant beard. And according to Rob Liefeld, he said it was just the it was he didn't know if it was like all father from uh, from the new gods or somebody else. But he's looking at this. He's like, who who is that? Like, I feel like I know him. And Jack Kirby is like, Oh, um, uh, that's God. (laughs) And everyone was just like, has Jack Kirby seen the face of God? (laughs) And he's, and throughout, like he has all of these artwork from like, you know, the, the tower of Babel, the fall of the walls of Jericho and like all of these like biblical paintings, and he's also got stuff from like you know Greek mythology and all this other stuff. He was obsessed with ain't with like religion and philosophy mm-hmm. and mythology across the world. So, so,
1: Jack Kirby would be binging ancient aliens if it were if you were around today,
0: literally, like that is like he he was obsessive. So at Marvel, what he wanted to do is he wanted to... As the Marvel Universe through Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and the Avengers was becoming way more intertwined, what he wanted to do is he wanted to basically establish the origins for the creation. He wanted to create his own creation story, be God in that sense. So what he lobbied Marvel to do was to give him his own series called The Eternals. Marvel thought that it was far... Well, one, they thought it was controversial for the time. Uh, you know, laugh at that now, but like they, one, they thought it was controversial too, because of the way that he wanted to do everything, they were actually afraid that it would be too complicated for most fans. They're like, Jack this is far too like we do Science fiction we write for nerds And geeks and stuff like that but this stuff is far Too much for anybody regardless of how nice It looks so what they let him do was they Let him do a 19 issue run of the Original eternal uh, for the first Eternal series and at that point I don't think it ends uh, Cleanly because that was when he Left and immediately went To DC and DC was like hey that Eternal stuff you did that shit is good How about you try and do something similar For us and that's when we we get the fourth world and the new gods. That's how we get Darkseid. That's how we get Orion, Allfather, uh, Mr. Terrific. I'm uh, sorry, not Mr. Terrific, uh, Mr. Miracle. All those new gods from the DC universe, Steppenwolf. I mean, he basically took the template for how he did uh, Eternals, and that's how you get it. And I mean, for many people, you look at that and you're just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like it is kind of a rip off of Eternals. But if you- I
1: hate to, I hate to, I hate to actually, Erm, I hate to actually. Uh, uh, but uh, since it was mentioned, we've kind of become the actually guys here. So I think you, I think you reversed it a little bit. It was new guys at DC that he did first. He did in that? 1971. Was that. it? New Gods debuted in nineteen seventy one this debuted in nineteen seventy six so same story, but you flip the company okay right. it was it basically he was at he was at d c doing new gods, and then when he came to Marvel, he's like, hey. It was basically the same thing you said. He wanted to do this vast mythology thing, so so DC let him do New Gods, and then he for whatever happened at DC, I'm not really sure, uh, but he ended up at Marvel, and then he's like, "Hey, I want to keep doing New Gods." Oh, but you don't own that, so can I do this other thing where I basically do it again but call it Eternals? And they're like, "Sure, Jack." Well, I
0: stand corrected, but that's but your
1: story is accurate if you just flip if you just flip the companies around.
0: Yeah, so flipping around, that's how we get here. And I mean, actually, yeah, and uh, I mean both are both are very similar but I mean, he had done some of this stuff prior with Thor. I mean, if you see Thor with the, like you've got like the ancient Norse side of things, but they're also like technologically advanced stuff like that. You see a lot of that with eternal. So, I mean, he was, he was definitely, he definitely would have been like an ancient astronaut theory guy and everything yes. else. I'm telling you, Mark, and I'm going to get weird for a second. Listen, guys, please do. I went to Liberty university. I, 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 I believe in like younger theory. I am a, I am a very, very, you know, I, I take the Bible very literally, but, and there's a strong but, if God is not real, and if everything is a lie,
1: <laughs> if, everything that, if, every, is wrong, if everything
0: I believe is wrong, it's
1: probably kind of like the eternal. Yeah. Like if everything <laughs> I believe is
0: wrong, then the only explanation is something like the eternal. So basically, I'm talking aliens. <laughs>
1: That's that's no. the all o- we could go in a lot of different directions on this.
0: <laughs> that's a whole other show.
1: <laughs> I basically believe in ancient aliens theory, only I don't think they were aliens. I think they were just Earth had better technology than we ever could fucking comprehend, It had a lot of crazy shit going on that we can't even even handle right now. So, so. if
0: my life is a lie, <laughs> then this is probably the closest thing to a theory we could to get a documentary.
1: Into. <laughs> So this is the this will be your new Bible if everything you think you believe is disproven. My parents are going to be to like, flip see, open he does some Kirby comic
0: books. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just flip open that Kirby, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. It's it's Jack Kirby's. It's Ancient Aliens by Jack Kirby. That's what Eternal is. <laughs> is. We could probably just end the review right now and move on, but but I guess we'll die. Okay, so check out a few issues. He did actually go. I am looking at. He did actually go back to New Gods in seventy seven. So. You know, that may be where you got that. I, th- I
0: think that may have been it. I'm trying to toss you a bone here. All right. All right. So we are jumping into the Eternals issue one. When gods walk the earth. And I want to just say, like in all of all the covers of comic books, I know I usually judge everything by a cover. This is probably, I'm not going to say it's the best cover. Well, I will say it's probably the most unique cover to a series launch that we've ever done because you don't even really see the eternals you see a giant statue a mayan aztec inca whatever statue and then you see like you know this this Giant like a domus like figure, and then you see like a, a surly little archaeologist and his hot daughter. Because every archaeologist we learn from Moon Knight has a hot daughter, and they're just and like it. you know, we found it—the tomb of the space gods. And the you know, like Fabio dude is like, and they're not dead. Look to the stars; the gods are coming back. This this doesn't look like a superhero comic but the only way you will know is because in the top left corner like what marvel did for three decades is you see that dude wearing a funky (laughs) costume so you're just like it
1: wasn't for that absurd costume in the corner that we'll see eventually in the series this could have been anything. This could have been the cover to like a religious text, for example.
0: <laughs> As it might one day, we don't know. As it may one day be.
1: But let, what if this is what happens? What if like, <laughs> what if the Bible was just the comic books of its time, and and now we believe it, and then maybe in like thirty thousand years, someone uncovers the Eternals, and we're like, oh, this is how this is how it went down. Mark, wow, I do not want
0: is... the Westboro Baptist Church attacking this show. <laughs> I can't emotionally handle that right now.
1: It's just a what if. It's just a, a what, what
0: if. What if we're just in another multiverse? Oh Somewhere in the cosmos, you and I are hosting the first print comics podcast. What
1: if there's space gods out there reading comics about us right now? That's the question,
0: man. Let Jack, let Jack Kirby be God at minimum.
1: I feel like we're doing anything we can do to avoid actually getting into the story.
0: <laughs> okay. Do you feel that way? Yes. This episode? Yes. It's, it, it's, it's, got, it's a bit of a chore. So please bear with me in my C minus GPA education. Okay. <laughs> So the first issue starts off with, like, a giant monologue from the narrator. Is man alone in the universe? Please cue, like, X-Files music. Every myth and legend <laughs> to emerge from the distant past points to a strange visitation from the stars. Beings of great power have been on this earth, and they departed. Who were they, or what did they do here? Where did have they gone? These awesome questions create the background for this exciting new saga of a day which lies ahead. The day answers. The day of the gods. That's the first page.
1: <laughs> it's already mo- more words than most books we read. Yeah, so most, most entire <laughs> books we read on the show.
0: So you, you see, you see, um, who Who's he think he is? Alan Moore over here. He's he's trying to be a Jonathan Hickman. <laughs>
1: I don't see no body swap creature in this book, do I? <laughs> this is Jack
0: Kirby channeling his Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> 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 because you have to have giant exposition to, to have this happen. And uh, may- oh, you know, maybe this would tie into something else. Because who is writing this? Jack Kirby. Who could see... <laughs> they-, they put this at the bottom. Conceived, written, and drawn by Jack Kirby. And it's like, oh, I- you all already know how I feel about writers and artists doing their own thing. But um, you, basically, you're you're bit, you're down in this deep cavern, and you see this giant. Like it, we don't know if it's a statue or something. But then you see our three main characters, and the one archaeologist guy is like, "You found it, Ike. You've po- it's you're positively uncanny." As people spoke in the seventies, and uh, basically, what you have is you've got this um, Dr. Damien. He's the um, he, he's the archaeologist. You've got some cameraman guy. And then you've got Ike Harris, which is a poorly conceived name. And what basically they've done is they're in this Incan temple in Mexico. And what they see is basically, for all my ancient alien fans, you have the star child. You have a man in a spaceship and a bunch of other astronaut statues carrying it. So they're laying it on pretty thick. And the exposition goes beneath the high plains of the Andes. Oh, the Andes are in Peru. Are the Incas Peru? I failed that class. Anyway, this secret place.
1: Andes are partially, yeah, this is, it's the Peru area. Andes go through a few different countries. It could be Argentina or Peru.
0: Okay, far away where they don't speak English. So the secret <laughs> place, like its builders, has been lost to history, but now it lies exposed once more, dwarfing its discoveries with Cyclopean grandeur. Like, that's, that's a lot.
1: The Andes are where the where in the movie Alive. You ever seen the movie Alive? That's no. where they crash and eat each other's butts. You never seen the movie Alive? Now, no, spoiler where now now they, they crash and eat each other's butts.
0: <laughs> okay, so basically this Icarus guy is a student or a guide or something, and uh Professor Damien, and his daughter and the one camera guy are going around and basically all the all the ancient like statues and stuff are basically like if you look at them, they're literally like aliens holding guns and spacesuits and using technology. And basically, um, you've got,
1: he had to have just read chariots of the gods when he conceived of this stuff.
0: A- absolutely. I think that came out in the fifties. So it must've been 68, 68. Oh, I'm damn. live fact checking here. That must've been crazy. So basically so this, so
1: yeah, chariots of the gods came out in 68, new gods came out in 71. So yeah. do the math. Clear, clearly influenced and this came out right after it doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, so basically the professor and his hot daughter are looking around Margot, and uh, he's like quickly Margo, I must have the tape recorder what I will say will electrify the scientific community and the, and the daughter's <laughs> like, thank you thanks to Ike Harris, we've made the greatest archaeological <laughs> discovery in all of history. And I,
1: Tell me you're going to do these voices the whole time. I have to please.
0: because I, it's the now. only way that will make this a lot more bearable. And then Ike Harris is like, perhaps the true story of all which has has gone before (laughs) talk like normal fucking people please and the professor is like it takes uh, that, uh, that takes in a lot of territory Ike and Ike Harris is like I refer not only to human history but also to divergent human history there were others and the professor is like your statement covers all of human history are you serious about this claim you just made do you realize what you're saying, young man? You're, you're, you're basically saying that the human species is sharing the world with related forms of life. And he's like, that's exactly what I'm saying, Doctor. Homo sapien has relatives. That's a world's theory, Ike. You can't believe in such fantasy i Harris, you have been a disturbing enigma to us ever since you joined our effort to seek out this chamber you're wrong on both counts doctor this is not drivel <laughs> your
1: your version of the professor sounds like um <laughs> god the guy from south park uh terence and yes. phillips
0: <laughs> I, I see him as canadian um well now Ike Harris, <laughs> um uh, this is not drivel and i'm not a young man by your standards um, but you've never struck us as being the type of young man who who is given to this kind of drivel. Oh, and then he says, "I'm not young," and uh, basically they, you know, they're, they're starting to realize that this tour guide that they probably hired is probably, you know, kind kind of out there. Uh, then we go on to, um, uh. Uh is basically, like, he, he kind of knows where he's at, so he's just, like, telling them, like, follow me, we're gonna keep finding stuff, and they keep finding random shit. Uh, meanwhile, as Icarus speaks, a strange incident is taking place over the Pacific <laughs> waters that brush the South American shores, and basically have this this pilot, he's flying, and it gets all Bermuda Triangle like and shit, and weird lights come out, and the, the guy has to eject out of his plane because he's afraid of crashing because you know he can't see. So basically, it's like Colonel David Schraver of the U.S. Navy in 2015 when him and his him and his uh, <laughs> him and his squadron basically went out to the Atlantic Ocean. I'm sorry, the Pacific Ocean, and they saw the Tic Tac Google Tic Tac UFO Navy sighting, and basically um, all these F-16 pilots got blinded and they basically saw this this UFO go all over the place and go in and out of the water and they and they like the navy thought they lost their minds but all the footage showed that they actually found a UFO and then the US government basically said yeah that's an alien technology right there and we all just pretended it didn't happen hmm. So long story short, this guy ejects from his plane. Meanwhile, <laughs> what we see is that this giant uh, spaceship thing has come up from the water, and what we see are these aliens. Now, these aliens are Divergence, and these Divergence are basically they're, – they're like Eternals, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but basically they – They're these ugly alien creatures that hate humans, and they want to rule the Earth. And basically, something is happening, and it's woken them up from their ancient slumber, and now they're here to take over the world.
1: And they are ugly,
0: these deviants. They are ugly mofos. Disney couldn't make them seem nice. Oh, well, obviously, we know Disney didn't make them seem nice. They were super ugly and stupid in the movie.
1: Disney didn't bother doing anything with these guys. They were almost man, back to the movie, but they were almost like they were introduced as this plot point and like, oh my God, they're back or whatever and they're the big thing. And then they do some stuff, but we never really find out why they're back and then nothing really happens to them at the end. They're just kind of like, all right, I guess the deviants are still around. Yeah.
0: Yeah anyway so anyway uh what they end up doing is they end up having like this super submarine that goes beneath this giant underwater temple they're in and what they're trying to do is they're trying to find the god chamber so they get to the god chamber which is on this other level under the water of this giant temple and as they get there um you know, they, they can't tell where they're at because they see all these mirrors that, like, look out to space and stuff like that. And they're like, those aren't, like, paintings and stuff. Like, what what's going on here? And the professor is like, Margo, look, Icarus, amazing instincts have uncovered the sort of telescopic gadgetry. The Incas don't concern me now, Dad. It's like, Icarus, he frightens me. But the Incas weren't advanced enough to have this type of complex... Anything. He's just completely ignoring his daughter. <laughs> and, um, she's like, he's, he's neither a kook nor a prankster. I think he knows things. We can even guess. I mean, we can't even guess that. Ike is not an ordinary man. And Ike, who's not an ordinary man, walks out to this giant, um, space panel that basically is, is a, it's basically a le- like a it's basically like a
1: window to the universe I guess. Yeah,
0: and because he's normal, he puts his arms out like Jesus and he's like, <laughs> "Behold, the universe, the vast home of the gods," like a normal person would say. And um at, at this point, now he's just freaking people out, and he's like, "They roam there. They live in this great reflector which the gods left. They have departed the voted Inca people. Uh, they they kept watch for the next arrival, but the gods never <laughs> returned, and the Incas vanished from history." And Dr. Damien's just done of this shit. He's like, "Keep going. I tell us more, but first tell us who <laughs> like, you." He's <laughs> just
1: like. I think he's not questioning like how this guy knows any of this. He's just like, yeah, tell me more. Tell me the whole thing. Professors, you know. And also, who the fuck are you? <laughs>
0: yeah. And Marco's like, yeah, you're not one of us. So now this is where Icarus reveals his uh, his his origin. <laughs> basically, these these gods, these celestials, created the Eternals to go and basically be like their own like protector and exploration force. After they created these monster. Motherfuckers named the devi- the divergence. I'm sorry, the deviance, which is what we Deviant, saw earlier. Yeah. Um, and, and basically, Icarus's name isn't really Icarus; it is dun 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 Icarus. He
1: has to really spell it out for them too. He's like, however, if you run both words together, you get Icarus. Thanks, thanks, thanks Ike. <laughs> we figured that. Out.
0: So he basically goes through human history, and what what he does is he basically says that these gods came and they took an ape and basically modified the ape into man. And they don't necessarily explain why, but what we think is that they did this is kind of like to create a slave force. So what they did was the deviants were basically like the bad experiments gone wrong, and the deviants became evil, because that's what ugly things do. They become evil. And then the Eternals were more like a reflection of the gods and everything, and they were uh, meant to basically be these immortal superpower, superpowered figures to basically watch over man. And then it goes on to a longer explanation that shows basically it's kind of like, it's kind of like gr- the freaking
1: history of the earth. here. Yeah.
0: Ba- basically you see everything from the dawn of man, it's ancient aliens. Like it's, 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 ancient it's literally ancient aliens and, and it goes on for several pages and he just explains this and the, the professor's just like, Ma I care. And <laughs> yeah, so, so now what you have is they're
1: just far too accepting of this whole thing from, from the very beginning. They're just taking everything he says at face value. And uh, how did he get there in the first place? He just got a job as he was like, the chairman, <sighs> listen, right? man, just, just
0: buy the I'm ticket, take, take the ride. <laughs> I think they're just happy. He's not a serial killer. Yeah, that's true. So now what happens... He's like, wait, you're not trying to molest my daughter? Tell me more, Mr. Harris. It's, it's, like, it's like Moon Knight. It's like, that. you know, he's like, yeah, he's responsible for my father's death, and he's dead right now, but man, he looks dreamy. It's kind of like Margo. Oh, you know, he might be a crazy person, but look at those long blonde hair and those muscles, and he's talking about the gods and stuff. Look at those pecs. Plant your space seed in me, Ike Harris. Um, so basically... <laughs> uh, the deviants because of timing and stuff like that, they end up getting (laughs) to the temple. And now what they're going to do is they're going to go ahead and try and make way for the coming of the gods. But they realize they see something and the one deviant with like this cool, like shades and stuff. He's like, Oh no, that's crow. That's, that's the only one that got a name in the movie too. But they all look the same. Was that him in the movie? Yeah,
1: they, yeah. This is Crow, and they call it. That is the main one in the movie. I That's never, like the one I that,
0: never yeah. knew his name.
1: Yeah, they name him in the movie, but it's not. I mean, I could see why you would not, why you would not register it because they were not made out to be. Important. I knew it
0: was something. guard, the Chris Hemsworth. I'm sorry, the Liam Hemsworth of the Brothers Skarsgård. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it is that star. Yeah. It. That one,
0: not it's, it's a scars Yeah, It's a scar guard. They're, they're like really popular brothers, but we never actually like identify them until after the facts. Uh, <laughs> it's just a scar. It's a scars guard. The, the, the brother scar guard. Um, <laughs> anyway, crow, I guess he has a name now. Um, he's like, Oh no, um, there's still time. We can waste his efforts. We can destroy the cosmic beacon. The thing that's calling the gods here. And he's like, I see the foe. It's Icarus of the polar mountains. And uh, at this point, I care I'm sorry, Icarus is just doing some weird shit He's basically getting ready for the gods to come up So he's using all this like Incan technology And um, the professor is still just a giant buffoon He's like the father from Tarzan He's like, that's, so that's the cosmic beacon you made It's discovery, looks so easy And Icarus is like, think of a tra- trading program Which lasts a thousand years, doctor That's what it took It's so weird, because when this co- came out Were computers even a thing?
1: I mean, not that, not that regular people had at their house, no. Like, I think, like, the government had computers.
0: <laughs> what did Jack Kirby know?
1: Yeah, apparently a lot.
0: Yeah, so anyway, the, the deviants come up, like...
1: Maybe Jack Kirby is an Eternal. If you put the names together, it's Jacoby!
0: <laughs> I need to stop thinking about this. Okay, so basically, <laughs> the deviants roll up like freaking gangsters, and they just start blasting... And they're just like, kill the humans, pound Icarus to the high voltage. We can't keep, we can't harm him, but we can keep him busy. Then destroy the beacon because of over-explanation. I love this,
1: I love this fucking professor, whatever, <laughs> dude, with his shitty little gun <laughs> against all these guys while Icarus is just shooting laser beams out of his yeah, eyes. Yeah, so
0: basically Icarus starts shooting laser beams out of his eyes and uh, the deviants aren't having an easy time. And Why? Because
1: he's Superman. Yeah.
0: Moving and uh now the beacon has basically been activated and everyone is just kind of freaking out so like the deep crow is just like too late i fought in vain the gods have found us and now at this point icarus is like the gods are are coming so basically they they kind of stop fighting because at this point the deviants <laughs> are weird. just like i i i guess it, I, I know we tried to kill you but there's just no point now so like we're just gonna no, just
1: like hanging out together like like yeah, like just waiting for the gods now. I guess yeah. like oh, fighting times over. Gods are coming. Uh, Sorry about so that. So that's
0: the end of the first issue. <laughs> Man, listen, I love I love Jack Kirby, but this is this is weird.
1: <laughs> it's definitely weird. Um, I, I actually had I had not read much Eternals, but I had read like Neil Neil Gaiman did a did an Eternals run in like uh, the mid two thousands that was okay. It's nothing like this. Um, this is just like
0: this is Jack Kirby recreating like existence
1: yeah it's, it's jack kirby's history of the earth comic book style and it's freaking wild and I, I think there's like i don't know i feel like with jack kirby i'm just supposed to like it you know what i mean so there's like that like internal bias like of course it's fucking jack kirby even that, i mean the art's pretty good the art oh, the is art pretty. is some so of not, not, the not, best
0: not, stuff he's done
1: yeah so i mean but yeah i mean jack kirby's not known for his writing for a reason
0: well i mean it's like and i mean this will be a criticism i bring up later but like you're not supposed to write and draw your own comic book. I'm sorry. You can write,
1: unless you're Eric Larson. Unless
0: you're Eric Larson. Okay. You can write your own comic. You can draw your own comic, but you cannot do both. There's a reason why things end up so all over the place with it. Why you have really good examples and really bad examples of people who are typically really fucking good, who then when they do this, something is just off. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so now we're on to episode two. What? Ha ha! <laughs> Motherfucker, you infected me. haha <laughs>
1: uh-huh. It's contagious. Episodes, issues.
0: Now we're on to issue two.
1: It only took you seventy episodes to come up with the same problem I've had.
0: The coming of the celestials. Or sixty-eight. Whatever this is. Yeah. You're trying to fuck me up even further. Okay, <laughs> so we're on to the second one. Now we're um, we're above on the land. We basically see like all those like you know the. The the symbols that are like carved into the land and stuff like that, like you see a bird and you see some it's like other the Nazca stuff.
1: the Nazca lines. You ever seen those?
0: I've seen I've seen those on Discovery Channel. You know what we have here in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's, what I mean. that's what I mean by seeing them. Have you ever been to a, to a Native American mound?
1: No, not in person, but I have read quite extensively about them, being a fan of the work of Graham Hancock.
0: So I have been I have been to Man Mound, which is the last Man Mound. In existence because there were several others, but they got destroyed. So this is the last man mound. It's in a dude's backyard, and they're like, "Oh, it's a shaman," and I'm like, "No, dumbass, it's an alien." Long story short, Google Wisconsin man mound. That shit was an alien. So anyway, <laughs> you see the gods coming down, right? I'm gonna Google it right and, now. And uh, you got this giant spaceship, and at this point. Um, I I gotta go back and read it because his narration is just it it just takes forever it happens on a broad plateau high in the Andes mountains where the ancient mockings laid down by the vanished race still beckon to the stars the answers come with the mighty crack of cosmic thunder a giant shadow has leaped the galaxies and appeared in the skies above earth great flashes probe the plane and its silent ruins. The spacecraft of the indestructible dimensions descends. The gods have returned. And basically now, everyone from the previous issue just picks right back up. They're all kind of like, you know, freaking out. And uh, at this point, Crow is just like, the gods seem mighty indeed, but I am Crow. I command the deviants, scorned and misshapen, but powerful in ways may surprise even the gods. And then the professor, who's just uh, apparently just pretty like cool with all of this he's just like i i can't speak for all humans but i can assure you that my daughter and i came here without the slightest notion of running into this and icarus is like my species the eternals have been preparing for this for a thousand years and, um, at this point, you know, Crow's just like, so have the deviants. And, and they just get into like this little fight and like Crow is just so kind of mad because he lost and the gods are here. So he starts like running and screaming towards it, talking about how awesome he is. And then the gods, I don't know <laughs> if they like control rocks or they're shooting lasers, but they're just like enough of this shit. So they start throwing stuff at him and he starts running away. <laughs> At this point, the gods are like destroying the temple, so they they have to get the fuck out. So basically, everyone is like running and fleeing, trying to survive while the whole temple is falling down. And and I just got to say, like, while I might be kind of making fun of the story, this is Jack Kirby at his peak. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I yeah, this is like, this is him with some of his best work ever. You could tell he is pouring his heart and soul into this because he was, yeah, there,
1: there's no doubt. This is like a passion project for him. And he was given the complete reign to do quite literally whatever he wanted and whatever he wanted, he is doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: uh, by the way, I looked it up that, yeah, that's, that's no man. The man, that's man. A
0: freaking that alien. ain't
1: no man. That ain't no, it looks more like a mothman. Maybe like an ancient mothman type thing.
0: Mothman was an alien.
1: Well, it all depends on your perspective.
0: I think they're all. But you agree. If, you agree for with me. Yeah. That thing is not a human.
1: No. Yeah. Yeah. We're 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 on board there. Whatever it may be, human, it's not. And do those tra those those white parts of its legs go over the,
0: the it's road? It's painted like, because they they built the road over it because they're they're fuckers. stupid. God damn this is why him. aliens don't want us because we see amazing things <laughs> God, and we fuck it up.
1: <laughs> they make these crazy like mounds of effigies of them, and then we just make a road over the legs. <laughs> to, like fuck it.
0: here, just put some paint over there. It's the same thing.
1: <laughs> no one will notice. At least do it in bl- bl- the same color like
0: <laughs> it looks so bad. Yeah. Oh, so basically the whole thing is falling apart and uh Icarus is laughing at the at the deviants as they're running away <laughs> and at this point um Crow mentions that this is going to be Icarus's tomb just like uh uh to uh to Inkin Teko
1: Muzen, Teko Matsen, Teko
0: Matsen, Teko <laughs> Basically King Yeah. Basically, king of the Incas or whatever, some shit. Uh, so basically, uh, now we're seeing more of human history explained by Icarus as the as the rumbles kind of stopped and the deviants are in a way and the gods aren't stepping out of their ship for whatever reason. And basically, um, what we're seeing is that the deviants have at different points in time actually enslaved humanity. And th- this is where things get really trippy. And I can see where Marvel is just kind of like, Jack, what are you doing? Um, because basically... <laughs> What what they what, what Icarus is basically explaining is that because the deviants took over Earth, the gods decided to flood the Earth. So some guy got two of every animal and put them on an ark. And at one point, Icarus, who was able to levitate, appeared like a dove from the distance, showing the ark where land is. And at this point... Um, <laughs> the it's, profe- it's the
1: bible through
0: j- through the lens of jack kirby <laughs> yeah so the, so the professor is like the, these poor deviants are just drowning <laughs> it's it's pretty funny uh so the so the professor is like you lived through the time of the flood you saw the ark and Margot's like it's incredible because she's given him fuck me eyes so uh, oh also they set off a, a nuke <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah one. that
1: too too and that
0: yeah right? but but Margot, much like many female characters in the 60s is a woman so she can't handle much so she has like a mental breakdown no. she's, so yeah. she's like eternal stevie it's gods that fly in spaceships it's just too, <laughs> too much, much for me dad too much and the professor's like that there, there, my dear. there has to be a trying experience and icarus is just like calm yo shit no he doesn't say that he's like it cannot <laughs> change you must accept this calmly <laughs> So he walks over. <laughs> Some of the writing is
1: just, it's cheesy, but it's also so fucking funny. And I don't even think it's meant to be funny, but it is now in 2021. It cannot change. You must accept this calmly. Shut the fuck up, bitch, is what he yeah. said in, in 1971
0: talk. So basically what he does is he walks over to this other wall, and what it basically does is it, is it lowers down, and it creates this portal. And then what you see is that... um the Incan God they were talking about earlier is not actually an Incan God. It's actually Ajax,
1: the goofiest motherfucker you've ever seen in this your is, life. This if is the have...
0: weirdest costume Jack Kirby has ever created for Ajax.
1: You know who it's not? It's not Salma Hayek. No, <laughs>
0: that's for sure. No, Salma Hayek <laughs> was an upgrade, but they decided to cover her up. And it's like, no, I want to, I, I want to see why you got famous, Selma. <laughs> I I, I kind
1: of wish they just went all the way and just gave me this guy, like <laughs> you know, like because this is such a so ridiculous. Like he's got these like aviator sunglasses on t- inside this costume of like metal and I mean, you just it, they take elements of actual actual, you know, um, like ancient gods. Like uh, Quetzalcoatl is the big Aztec god. I think the Inca's version was this who they're calling him now, this Tequemotzin, but. Man, the translation of turning this into like this weird looking sunglass wearing superhero is just <laughs> like every time I look at this, like, I crack up. Ajak is absurd. Ajak is ridiculous. Yeah, so
0: basically Ajak, uh was frozen in time uh, waiting for. And
1: why didn't they ever like, okay, like these other gods, like, like Makari we'll see later is like Mercury or like Ike Harris, you know, it's Icarus. Like, you know, it's they're, they're using like real gods names and then like making a weird translation of them. Ajak. The fuck did I get Ajak from? <laughs> it's like he went to the... He's based on Quetzalcoatl and Tekumotsin, none of which comes near Ajak.
0: I think he was he was just getting to the point where he's like, oh, I got to come up with another name for this guy. Honey, grab something from the closet. Ajak? I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. Uh,
1: a, a a Jack? Maybe it's like the Jack Kirby. a, a, a Jack? That's way more
0: know. conspiratorial than everything here. else we've said. So basically, That's right. That's right. him and a bunch of the other new gods are freed from here, and what they're going to do is they're going to get ready for new gods. See, even you can't oh, tell the difference. Yeah. So
1: basically, <laughs> That's <all I'm> <laughs> basically the other eternals are freed from here. They 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 basically are new gods. I mean, this is this is the same yeah. story. This is the same book. <laughs>
0: so they <laughs> run over to another room, which is another spaceship, and 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 they're getting and they're getting ready to freaking leave. Uh, meanwhile,
1: And apparently they've been in there for like thousands of years, by the way, like they don't seem at all like they're not dusty. They're not like, Oh, thank God. They're just right to work. It's kind of, impressive. I leave my right laptop alone for
0: a few hours and the battery goes to zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to go grab my iPhone charger just for this episode. <laughs> But uh, anyway, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get ready uh, for the gods to descend from their ship. So Ajax is like, prepare the rays, the ceremonial pylons beneath the celestial spaceship. Even now, the first of the gods descends. And what you see is this giant stone alien thing basically fall from the sky. And it looks it, it, it's like something between like the Easter Island heads and Galactus and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> and it's it, it, it's like a dope transformer, but it's Arisham leader of the fourth host. I'm sorry, not fourth world fourth host. Lance lands. I, even, I never
1: understood this. The what, what is the fourth host? I've, I've, I've been trying to figure this out this entire time. I'm okay. You want, you want, you want, you want to
0: get some theo- theology on you? Yeah. So, please. so I'm putting down the, book, so, so, right? so in Christianity, you've got God who is three in mm-hmm. one father, son, and yep. Holy ghost. You've got others that basically imply a third vestige. Hmm. I'm sorry, a fourth vestige. Now that actually goes to other things like the fourth forms or the fourth Turing or whatever. It's like this big, it's basically another form on top of things. So Christianity says three others say a fourth host, depending on whether it's, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, polytheism or monotheism. So basically it's implying a, another phase in which the gods are connecting with humanity.
1: Okay. I actually, I can buy that one.
0: So we got Arishem. As much as I could buy anything. It's, you know. it's all over the place. Arishem
1: might be the most accurate portrayal from comics to Listen, movies. Listen, Mark, aliens. Big red robot alien yeah. guy.
0: So Arishem leader of the fourth host lands firmly upon the pylon where he will stand upon it for 50 earth years, towering the surrounding mountains above all life below. <laughs> in the last day of the 50th year, he will step from the pylon and on that day, earth will live or die.
1: Hey, by the way, Ramzo, Yes. What year was this published? 71. What year is it now? Arishem's about to bust Holy free, man. It's been 50 sh- years. Dude. <laughs> dude, we are. That's why we're, that's why the it universe isn't, has isn't, brought it, us to do this episode now. It,
0: isn't it so weird that the, the Eternals movie would come out 50 years from, the, from this?
1: It is. I wonder if that was. We're dude, Jack Kirby knew some family. shit. <laughs> Jack Kirby. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if a giant red robot bursts out of the Andes by the end of the year. Then we'll definitely know well, Jack Kirby. Remember,
0: remember those like giant like uh, monoliths that were popping up in the desert, like from uh, 2001: Space Odyssey. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the fourth host. That's what the Eternals really look like. That's what the Celestials really look like. Like, oh, this is very disappointing. But did freaking Jack, Jack Kirby know?
0: <laughs> okay, so now we're on to issue three: The Devil in New York. Um, and he he starts out again because I, I do like these narrations, which I make fun of them. In this magazine, the hidden chapters of history of man are quickly being revealed, untouched for thousands of years. A large crypt in the Inca ruin has to say dissa- has discharged a living flight crew, for a spaceship has arrived has appeared, and this is their century of service to the devil in New York. And uh, basically, now they now they've allowed Ereshum to come. And basically, now what's going to happen is Eresham is going to judge Earth. And basically, this is what happens. Eresham basically determines whether or not one of the creations, you know, the humans on Earth, is worthy of continuing to live or dying. And, you know, the humans obviously hear this, and they're like, oh, he's going to judge humanity based on whether it's worth living? We're fucked! So now they're they're just freaking out, and they're just like, this is way, way out of control. And uh, what ends up happening is um, they end up leaving. Uh, they they rush out because a whole bunch of uh, I don't know if those are soldiers or flying. Yeah, they're they're like other flying robot guards that are defending Ereshum. So basically, they have this plane that like mini Celestials, I guess. They but they're all together are
1: the fourth host, I guess. Yeah.
0: So basically, what ends up happening is uh, they they have to leave because humans can't be there so they they end up flying away. Meanwhile, the deviants are kind of pissed at Crow. Because he kind of screwed up and didn't stop the beacon, which caused Airsham to finally arrive. So they've got him like you know tied up and they're punishing him because he's a dumbass. So now at this point, he's basically like, "Listen, I I could still I could still do this. I can still go ahead and uh, you know stop them at least at least kill a new god or something." So they're like, "Fine, go actually do it, bitch. Go actually show that you're worth being a real deviant, mofo. We want real G's here. We don't want you." So they fly back to New York and all of a sudden, and, and this is stupid.
1: I, well, I, I can't, I can't gloss over the way that Icarus takes her out. Like she's like, like, first of all, the, the, the professor guy is like, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to research shit for the next 50 fucking years and probably die in a week. Cause I have no food, but whatever. And, she, and she's like, no, I can't leave my dad. And, and Icarus is like, yeah, whatever. You don't have any choice. <laughs> he just takes her and he just fucking flies the fuck out of there with her. It's, I mean, it's, it's very seventies. Oh, and then, oh yeah. And then when she's struggling and, and resisting, he zaps her with his eye beams to knock her unconscious so he can take her away. Icarus heroes. Heroes.
0: Everybody. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> the story is kind of problematic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's one way. That um, so basically they're, they're in the, they're in this airplane and at one point Icarus just like stops, uh, flying the plane and marco's like icarus you took your hands off the controls you'll set this into a spin and icarus is like this plane is now flying in my response to my very thought and then all of a sudden he like in a panel uh his clothes just turn into his actual like costume and now he's basically saying i'll be able to fly this thing with my mind or some shit like that so then he opens the door and uh jumps out and he starts flying beside it and it's actually like pretty cool but if you really think about it it's like really horrifying because then like in the next page the deviants come over in like a giant space cadillac and start like blasting shit so this is the first real action we've seen in a while um then what ends up happening is uh Icarus gets inside the plane to try and fly them away which i don't know why he didn't just grab Margo out of the plane and use the plane to crash into them because he's obviously not that smart and um, what they end up basically doing is they uh they 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 basically fly to New York and now what they're doing is they're going to go find one of his friends, Circe. So this is our first appearance of Circe. Um uh he basically goes into like this New York apartment and he walks in, and you see Circe dancing all like scantily clad and shit in an outfit that Selma Hayek totally should have worn or something. Like, come on people. And uh, she's just like, "How do you like it, Icarus? This uh, has my dance form improved since we last met." And he's just <laughs> like, "You are, um, you are as you are as you have always been, seriously. Beautiful, charming, inspiring to watch. To say more would exhaust the adjectives in a thousand languages." And she's like, "Flatter. You're uh, you're afraid that I'll turn you into a pig, but I'm too fond of you to do that." So Margot, looking obviously in jealousy, like she wants to cut a bitch now.
1: So she's so jealous. I, I will say Jack Kirby does a really good job of like the facial expressions because for several panels, like I can actually see Margot's face as being just looking at, like any girl would look at Cersei <laughs> if you just if you just met this hot guy and he shows up like, oh, let's go to my friend's house and it's this you know smoking dancing <laughs> witch lady. Yeah,
0: she could turn me into a pig um sure. but anyway so basically he's telling her the gods have arrived and the deviants are causing problems i've got my friend here and she doesn't have powers because she's a human and uh we need a team up because they're about to cause some shit around new york so as that happens what ends up happening shit starts happening in new york and the deviants just start like blowing shit up and setting stuff on fire
1: and crow pretends to be satan
0: yeah it's pretty legit and uh, that's where the issue ends. Icarus jumps out, and he's about to fight him.
1: Shit's getting wild here, folks. Shit's getting wild. We did get the date, the debut of Icarus's actual costume. I guess the de- debut was technically in the corner of the cover of the first episode. But boy, boy, is it absurd! <laughs> I don't know who looks more ridiculous in their outfit, Ajax or, or um, at least Cersei looks like kind of normal, like she's just wearing like a, a leotard. But but Icarus and Ajax—it's
0: actually a pretty standard superhero costume for a woman.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the standard superhero costume. Um, cape optional, but yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I just—it's oh, hey, Jack Kirby is creative. I will say that he is creative.
0: Yeah, so now we're on to issue four, Night of the Demons, and this is where they actually start fighting. So Icarus is actually feeling pretty bad for them. He's like, "Oh, those poor humans below—they shout in superstitious fear because they think the devil is there." And um, at this point. You see the, the deviants, they're just like lobbing shit, really causing some property damage in Manhattan. I mean, the Lower East Side is, I mean, the, it's just never going to recover. There's no such thing as deviant insurance. And they already have such a housing problem in New York. Uh, so anyway, uh, Ajax, I'm sorry, uh, I- <coughs> Icarus starts flying around, zapping shit. I mean, he's really he really does look like Superman here. And at this point, somebody accidentally shoots him in the eye, and he's just like, I'm done with that. So what he does is he starts, like, taking buildings, and he's going to, like, start flipping it. But then he gets knocked out uh, because when they shot him in the face, they actually put, like, this thing, this inhibitor on him, which is going to go ahead and, uh, you know, like, keep him down for a minute. So Crow is just like, ah, uh, he shall not spoil the night for us. We must scourge the city of the humans. We must drowse their fears and whip them into fury. Uh, meanwhile, this giant like dragon deviant like picks him up and he's like, where shall I take him, Crow? And he's like, our raiding vessel waits off the shore. The officer in charge will know how to dispose of him. Meanwhile, we shall give these humans a gift of the same terror which their ancestors received from our kind because of the ancient wars the devil myth are among the humans to become the fearsome superstitious uh uh, superstitions which plague them to this day now we shall justify those legends and give these humans a real taste of reality and he really looks more like the devil now than he did the last couple issues so i mean they're just going around causing shit meanwhile circe and uh Margot are just watching this on TV, and Margot's just like things have been so. Wor- things have- on Eternal vision. Yeah, things have been worsening, and Icarus is somewhere out there in that mess. I hope he isn't. And Circe's just like bitch, calm down. And now she says, "I sense that Icarus has been taken, Margot, but never fear, he's an Eternal. They can't kill him." And Margo... They can just torture him relentlessly. Yeah, Margo's just freaking out. She's like, eternal Stevie, and you have dreamed that your races existed for centuries. You've, you, your, your two species have kept to their own domains, and now you've revealed yourself, and the world seems to have gone mad. And Sirius... Also, my
1: dad is stuck in a bubble with some space gods for the next 50 years.
0: Yeah, there's, there's that too. And she's just like... And Sirius just like, well, it was bound to happen. The space gods have to come back, and a new chapter shall be written uh, in Earth's history. So basically, Cersei's just kind of, like, tired of this shit. And then she starts going through her history, and basically, um, you know, she, she's she been everywhere. Um, you know, she's been in Greek. King Arthur's yeah, Court. King Arthur's Court. Um, uh, ancient uh, ancient Greece and everything. So she is basically the Cersei that inspired Cersei and, like, you know, Homer and the Odyssey and stuff like that. My favorite story of all time. If there's one story that... I had to bring to like a new planet or something. it would have to be Homer in the Odyssey. It's, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. And then it's, he, and she also says that he, she basically taught Merlin all his tricks. He said he wasn't even that good before she showed him something.
0: <laughs> so, so basically, <laughs> uh, uh, the dragon deviant creature, the deviant mutate, uh, ends up flying up to the apartment outside the window. So next you know, Cersei uses her own eye lasers to shoot him the fuck out. Meanwhile, the deviants have come they, in. So they,
1: it looks like they all have
0: eye lasers. In this I would moment. like eye lasers. I think everyone needs more eyes, la- eye too. lasers. Why not? So basically what she, what ends up happening is deviants bust into the apartment, start like causing so much freaking property damage. And she's just like, I'm tired of the shit. So she turns them into lizards. Uh, and Margot's just like, uh, so seriously, it's simply horrible. Will they always be this way? And she's just like, as long as I wish, you know, besides I, I somehow think I've improved their image. And, um, you know, at this point, uh, they're, uh, they've got, um, they've got Icarus in, uh, in in the ship and they've put him in like this coffin like thing. And what they do is then they like throw it into the ocean. Yeah. So basically they can't kill him. So they're going to keep him asleep and underwater. Meanwhile, uh, back at the temple at the Incan ruins, uh, the professor is still being kind of useless while Ajax is kind of figuring out like what's going on. So at this point, um you know the the professor's trying to figure out like what's really happening on the outside, so he starts getting mad at Ajack he 's like it's like this race of deviants it's them they 've surfaced from their hidden cities that's it, isn't it Tell me Ajak. And at this point, you know he realizes that the deviants are actually causing problems, and Ajak just doesn't care it hasn 't told him so at this point, uh, Ajak is like, if you must know they're attacking <laughs> New York City at this very moment, and you know the professor's just like feeling like shit uh meanwhile. Um, one of the Celestials is uh you know looking down and kind of observing everything and the professor is just kind of worried even more so. Uh especially <laughs> no yeah, shit. especially since uh more of those uh giant golden robot guards seem to be building something for for Ajax. So I'm sorry, for, for Arisham. So this issue ends with uh Arisham, leader of the fourth host, stands like a mountain above the Incan ru- uh ruins. His face is hidden, but his eyes can see everything that lives in the world. There they judge, they they are eyes of a judge, even as his hands are those of a destroyer. When mankind discovers Eresham, it will find itself overwhelming power. It will find itself against overwhelming power. And, And that's the end of this issue now we we could keep going but here's the thing about this series it doesn't
1: you can never stop it, there's no good yeah it, it's, no it's good like you know here.
0: certain plot lines ends but it just goes on and on and on and you're just like where's a clean ending there is no clean ending and uh that's where the, the
1: next issue is when they think they they visit like Mount Olympus and like meet some of the other, I think we see like Macari there and some of the other ones, but there's, there's nothing to write home about here, folks. It's kind of, yeah, <laughs> kind of going along this the, direction. This
0: is time. a, this is a long, this, okay. I would call this like, it's like a series you would binge on Netflix, but never a series you would watch week to week. Let's call it that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is a good way to put it for sure. Yeah. Cause I, 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 I sat and read through these, but once I put them down, I, I didn't have the edge to go yeah. back. <laughs> You know, I read what I had to read for this episode, did my SBC duties and then you know, it's just one of those things where I think, look, it's historic in a sense. I, I don't even know if Eternals are historic.
0: I would not let, let's not let's not go that. It's
1: historic far. because it's Jack Kirby, all right? And it's the history of the freaking Earth through Jack Kirby's ancient alien mind, but that's It's that's not the
0: It's not right? the New Gods. I can say that
1: new gods is legit is legit. Like, you know, may, maybe we'll do that someday. Uh, whenever Zack Snyder's new gods comes out, maybe we'll do, finally go and Jack Kirby's new gods. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it, I, I try to judge things on a scale sometimes and judge things for the times. I and mean, definitely, I'll definitely probably, you know, curve my grade a little bit or I, I guess I can yeah, just go, go, into my, go first. My grading right now. Um, I, I tend to curb my grading, especially for older stuff like this for just some of the dialogue and, and stuff like that whereas if some of this dialogue was around today i'd be like oh this is horrible writing but for in for that time it was just kind of like normal writing you know what i mean so um i, I will give it points for creativity it is ridiculous um it is insane but it is creative and even though he's just stealing it all from from ancient from, from ancient aliens from chariot to the gods essentially this is jack kirby's chariot of the gods um but for comics it's it's I'm trying to, I'm trying to give Jack Kirby as much as I can here. I'm going to give the writing a three. Wow. I'm going to give it a three. It's like the writing itself is not great, great, but it's, you know, I think you're right. That Jack Kirby should, and well, that people in general, writers and artists in general should have a collaborator and one should do one and one should do the
0: other. If Jack Kirby cannot write and draw his own series at the level of which we expect, nobody can. That may be true. That may be true.
1: So I, I would say, I mean, it could have benefited from maybe another writer taking Jack Kirby's overall ideas and his art and kind of running with it. Um, but then again, maybe it's just a product of the times that is what it is, and I got to stop overthinking it. I am going to give the art a four because it's Jack Kirby and the art's not bad. Uh, it's not his best work, but it's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's pretty vintage Jack Kirby. So that still gives it a seven, which I would say. It's higher than I would have thought I would give it. It's still higher than I would have thought I would give it, but it's better than the Eternals movie. Yeah. I,
0: think. I, I think. mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's very right? different, <laughs> but
1: yeah, it has the nostalgia factor, at least it, even though I didn't, it's not nostalgic for me per se. It feels, nostalgic, um, you know, I, I mean?
0: I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to the same conclusion as you, but I'm not gonna use the same math. I can't give Jack Kirby anything okay. below a five, <laughs> especially at this point. Um around I think it was sixty eight to seventy three, you're seeing some of him at his prime because before that he's still trying to really
1: use drawing. With his, right, yeah. With because
0: like art, before right. that, like yeah. like when he did Daredevil, like I have that Daredevil issue one in reprint. It's not great. It's good, it's not great. Mm-hmm. It, like I would even argue that Ditko at the time, Steve Ditko was a better artist than Jack Kirby at the at at the beginning. Um when when they overlapped in time at Marvel. But like, you know, Ditko kind of faded out and Kirby got better. He really did get better. So I got to give his art a five. I mean, just the art in this book alone, like if you read nothing and you just went off the art alone, it's phenomenal. Um, I mean, he, he was the first one who wanted to do full page splashes and stuff like that. Like he he's the one who really did this. He's the one that inspired Remita, uh John Romita, to, to eventually really start doing that and everything else. So I got to give the art a five. The story though, with the over over explanation and the over exposition and the dialogue and everything else, like he shouldn't have been the one doing like all the writing. Like he could have been a co writer for this because it's his baby. But he could have at least gotten somebody yeah. in to to help with some of that. And um, I I don't I don't like it. Like I don't. I'm gonna give it a, a two point five. So I'm giving this an overall score of a seven point five. Wow. Wow. All
1: right. Same idea, though. At the end of the day, we're all different math, same conclusion, pretty much.
0: I, I gave it half a point higher, so it's a it's a, 14 and a half out of twenty. I'd, I think that
1: falls into the Remzo's vaunted Sunday read category. Would you say that it's a
0: good Sunday read? If you want to go ahead and get some <laughs> get some real Kirby out there, and if you're if you're if you're researching ancient alien theory, I swear this dude knew something,
1: <laughs> or he just took the book chariot so the guy yeah, and make yeah, some but ideas. something's the other.
0: Something feels something feels something feels off. Well, the, the year
1: thing is freaking me out. Well, we got about six weeks of this year, Remzo, and we're going to find out if erisham is going to emerge from that fucking dome. In the you Andes.
0: should have given me ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't believe you made this movie. You have been judged. Why
0: is Sama Hayek wearing so many clothes?
1: <laughs> Where is my Ajax? Where are the sunglasses? <laughs> oh man, so. I, I will say as much as I, we kind of were knocking it, it was fun to read. Like I did enjoy reading it because it is so cheesy and so ridiculous and the dialogue is absurd and I unfortunately didn't have you doing the voices for me, but I did my own and uh, th- that did get me through it in a sense. Like it,
0: it, The joy of comics is that even when some comics are bad, it's still an enjoyable experience.
1: <laughs> exactly. That is the joy of comics. It's joy of comics, movies, everything to me. I can enjoy bad stuff as long as it's fun bad. And this would, this, I would say would be like fun bad.
0: It's not bad, you know? bad, like battle scars in the how did Nick Fury exactly. become a black guy episode from way on your back. Yes. That was just bad.
1: I think to, is, is that still our lowest rated? Oh sub-
0: no, it was JJ J. Abrams, Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Battle scars was, was Shakespeare compared to compared to JJ Abrams. Itself. Yeah.
0: Let's not talk about that.
1: No, let's never speak of them again.
0: Anyway, Mark, you want to wrap things up?
1: I do. And if you would like to support us in our endeavors where we dive into such absurdities as the the uh, the the, uh, the book that we look at today, even though it is, you know, the classic Jack Kirby can never go wrong, but he kind of went wrong a little bit. <laughs> um, then you can support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash second print pod for as little as a measly five smackers a month. That's that's. Basically, the cost of any comic book at this point, um, you can uh, you can help support us, help us support us in these endeavors, help us uh, pay for everything we pay for here for our website, our servers, our blah 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 blah, our marketing. Uh, it all goes back into the show, folks. That, that that was one thing we can say over the year and a half. We we were actually just going over the numbers before the show. We have not yet taken an actual profit. Everything we have spent has been money that has been put into this show, so we are putting it to good use. Um, so you can find help all me pay of the- for my wedding. Help, help, yeah. Starting in next year, we'll have to pay for Remzo's wedding. That's a whole different venture, but, but yeah. And we don't, you know, we don't just beg for money. We do beg for money, but we don't just beg for money. We beg for money and provide content along the way. So we do all sorts of bonus programs. My latest is a show called What Mark Missed, where Remzo gives me recommendations of comic books that I missed during my dark period from 2003 to around 2012, 2013, and I review them. So I just looked at Battle for the Cow. Did you hear that review yet?
0: Remzo? I did, and I think we both agree, without adding too much of a spoiler. People should not write and draw their own comic.
1: <laughs> yes, that, that theme that theme is throughout these these uh, those, this and that one as well, for sure. But yeah, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. And if you love us, if you love us, you like us, you want to support us, but you don't have money or don't want to give us any for whatever reason, that's okay too. You can leave us a five-star rating and a great review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us a lot. That helps us bump up in the algorithms whenever someone is bored and just typing in comics on the in those podcatcher apps. Uh, those ratings and reviews help make sure that we pop up when they do those searches. So that's another great way you can help us out.
0: Definitely. Well, until next time, folks. Did aliens... Give birth to humanity—that we may never know. But what I do know is this: if you want to impact your life, big or small, there's one thing to do: read comics and change and the change world. the world. Good night, America. Adiós.